everyone. I'm Cara Giannichini, Senior Director of Custom Content and Events for MM&M, and you're listening to the MM&M Podcast, sponsored by our friends at GSW, powered by Cineos Health. Today's podcast features a conversation between two of GSW's Executive Creative Directors, Astrid DeFries Lansing and Lacey Jay. We'll be speaking about what it's going to take to close the gender gap in advertising. Welcome, Astrid and Lacey. It's great to have you guys. Thank you. It's great to be here. Thank you. Hi, Karen Lacey. Hi. I'd love to give you guys both an opportunity to share a little bit about kind of your backgrounds and and how you got here. So Astrid, could we start with you? Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to dive right in. How did I get here? Uh, a few a few curveballs along the way, as I think everybody can expect. I'm uh, originally from Germany. Uh, you might pick up the accent still. And that was over 20 years ago. It's been a long, long time. I can hardly believe it's been that long. And I started my career, obviously, there. I went to school in Germany to the Academy of Fine Arts and pretty much dabbled and studied everything uh, under the sun in regards to the arts. I never had or thought uh, I would be in advertising. I simply enjoyed being an artist for six years until my parents basically told me it's time to get a job. And I was lucky and fortunate that I could do so back then in an agency. I studied with my partner then and uh, was self-employed right away. So avoided pretty much the corporate world for some time. And uh, based on that experience, experience and the love for New York City really uh, decided to come here and did so in 2001. And uh, really, uh, uh, again, not much of intention there, just landed a job with CDM, who we all know uh, are are one of the big ones in, in our world of healthcare advertising. I started there as an art director. And I still think it was one of my luckiest days uh, that I was taken on by Mark Friedman, who many of you uh, know as one of the greatest creative directors out there, I believe. And uh, from there, just, you know, working, working, working and do the work and always really being focused on that. I, I, I can I can really say that to me, the work was always the focus and most of the interest, the rest, you know, success or or career or whatever people, you know, like to call out now really was never so much the focus other than just, hey, uh, the next project. I I did that for 15 years. I stayed within the CDM network and then uh, healthcare and then agency Rx, uh, now known as CDB Health for 15 years. And I would really say I called the agency uh, network, my family. I owe a lot to them, not to mention the fact that I'm an American citizen today because they sponsored me all the way from numerous H-1Bs to green cards, et cetera. So a big thank you for the people there who supported me and really truly believed in in that, that, that uh, you know, unknown girl from Germany who barely spoke the language <laughs> originally. And I really That's did. Great. And, uh, you know, but fast forward, it really, uh, from there, I joined a couple of smaller agencies. I had to spread my wings. Uh, it was time to to come, uh, you know, out of the nest. And again, I was always fortunate to to find places where I was welcomed in and, and had the opportunity to learn and network and grow. And, you know, obviously uh, joined uh, other larger networks like uh, Havas right before joining GSW. And again, you know, I, I think the work and, and the ability to just absorb everything and anything that was thrown my way until this day, it is a learning process. And 
And, you know, just because somebody is giving you a title doesn't mean you're done with that. I think it's always the curiosity to learn more, to, to spread wings, to, you know, do different new things is exciting. And I think in advertising, especially, you know, as a woman where we have so many, many things on our plates and I, I certainly, you know, I'm a mother, I have a son and, and two uh, stepchildren. There, there's always been a lot going on, but I think this industry and specifically healthcare advertising taught me that, you know, flexing and pivoting and learning and learning new things and being open and still be who I am and who I always was is possible. And I'm grateful for that. So today, yes, I'm at GSW New York. I'm super happy to be here. I think it's a fantastic agency network with my partners, Lacey and, and Todd and Mark in the other GSW offices and obviously the great, great family that surrounds us at the seniors level. I hope that's enough, guys. I don't want to babble on forever. So <laughs> no, that was back that was, to you. <laughs> no, that was great. I feel like we all got to know you a little bit there. So thanks for that, Astrid. Uh, Lacey, how about you? Yeah. Um, so I made my way into healthcare advertising by way of fashion. <laughs> so I also didn't didn't start in this industry. I, I knew I always wanted to work in advertising. I followed my sister to New York. She was in fashion design. And, and while she was great at making shoes and, and whatever she was off doing, I was in love with bringing campaigns to life and and just thinking differently about how how you can sell products. So I started in in fashion for a little bit, realized that the environment there wasn't wasn't for me. And my friend was working at a healthcare agency and and asked me to come over and work with her. And I did that, uh, worked at one of the publicist agencies for a bit. And that's where I kind of learned all the basics in healthcare advertising, I worked on one of the biggest biologics for a few years, and then made my uh, made my way over to Gray Group, which I was going from a, a smaller publicist agency to I think one of the largest agencies. I think there were like 2,000 people at the agency when I was there, so it was it was huge, but it was it was awesome. It was a, a great time. I learned so much. I had a big focus on digital there and helped build out their digital capabilities with a few partners. And then I I made my way over to Saatchi, where I got to work with Kathy Delaney. And JD, who, who's now our president here, learned a lot along the way there, but also had a big focus on women's health products and devices, which is still near and dear to my heart. I have a, a strong interest in continuing to you know, raise awareness for women's health issues, especially in healthcare. And after Saatchi, I was sick of New York. <laughs> I wanted to get away from the city. So I sought the internal sunshine of California and made my way out to San Diego, where I have been since about 2017. I was at an agency for a little bit here before I came to GSW to lead our LA office. Very cool. Thank you. I love how both of you kind of took very different paths to get where you are. So that's it's really interesting to kind of see how you both found the same path, but but definitely very different backgrounds. So that's that's really cool. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. Before we kind of delve into the rest of the material here, I'd love to share a stat that we had spoken about earlier that I kind of really think sets the tone for this discussion, an article that you guys had shared with me. So that states, while women make up 46% of the advertising industry, 
they account for just 11% of creative directors. While at the same time, women influence the majority of spending and social media sharing. I thought that was so just mind boggling and would love to kind of jump in here and hear what you guys think really needs to be done to move the needle on this. So Lacey, if we could kind of have you take that one and, and share a little bit about, you know, what you're doing to help that. Sure. So today, 11% of women in leadership are creative directors, but not that long ago, it was only 3%. And I know Kat Gordon had a huge role in raising awareness around that with the 3% conference, which I know is no longer as much of a thing as it was because she, she did achieve, you know, helping bring awareness to that. But I think the more staggering stat is that 89% of young female creatives don't have role models as as creative directors, right? So if you yeah. if you look at that on on the opposite, if there's only 11% of women in leadership, there's how many people are not seeing that percentage is the hard part. And I think for me, it's always been trying to be the role model I maybe never had. I I think I've managed a lot of men. Um, a lot of men that have a lot more years of experience than I do in the industry. And I think that they are really good at asking for what they want and what they think they deserve. And I think that women don't as often um, managing both men and women. I would see a lot of times the men asking for promotions and raises and being on brands that they want. Um, And I almost had to pull it out of, out of some people, um, some women you know, there, there were creative women that would say, you know, just put me wherever you need me. Like I'm a team player. I I'll, I'll go wherever you need. And, and you almost have to say, no, but what do you want? What right. is your career? Right. You know, you have control of it. You are the only one who cares about your career as much as anyone. So, so tell me, what do you need? Ask. So I, I think the the biggest advice um, I have for, for, you know, young creatives and how we can move the needle as executive creatives is continue to ask for what we need, what we deserve and don't apologize for it, you know, because I think our, our counterparts are not apologizing and, and they do ask for it. Absolutely. I love that. Anything to add, Astrid? Lacey, you you really summarized that that beautifully. I just wanted to add a bit of optimism as well and hope really and, and trust almost in that newer generation, which, you know, we are observing now coming into the workforce and, you know, through interviewing young women and, and interns and going even in my own family, right? My own, own stepdaughter just entered the workforce as well. And I'm actually proud of the way they show up. And I look back to myself when I was just, so to speak, off the boat coming, I was timid. I was shy. I was, I barely spoke up. I, I think it, a lot of, you know, as I said earlier, you you look at the title and you're like, hey, wow, you made it. Well, yeah, but it was hard and it was a lot harder. I, I, I'm certain for, for women of my age uh, to, to get to that point. But I do believe that, that, our newer, younger generation has learned and and we did do something 
something, right? Uh, you you mentioned the percentage. Yes, it's only 11, but it was three. And I'm hopeful that the way young women show up today with us supporting them and, and also men, you know, realizing that imbalance and, and realizing the need for us to be more prominent because of the different uh, values we bring to the plate, that there is a bit more of a light, uh, not that the fight's over, but the light's brighter. And I have faith. I, I think a lot of the, the still very gender specific patterns and behavior that, that I demonstrated, right? From not wanting to rock the boat, not speak up, be shy, observe more than speak, all that. I see a change there. And I'm hopeful and I'm, I'm, I'm proud of that generation that, that hopefully will, will make even a bigger difference. Thanks, Astrid. So both of you had touched a little bit on some of the, you know, the pressures of and and the challenges for women sitting in executive roles. Maybe some of it is that women aren't as willing or, you know, inclined to ask for what they deserve or demand what they deserve in the way of compensation and things like that. What are some of the other kind of pressures or any other examples that you can think of that are kind of unique to women sitting at this executive level that you can share? I always, you know, call it a tightrope because assertiveness and asking for what you want in men is often still seen as a quality. Uh, Lace, you, you, you described that beautifully. While in women, it's being seen as unfit aggression. Mm-hmm. And I still don't get it. How can it be then when a woman gets assertive and speaks up and makes a point and is firm that by default men back away and are like, oh, she's she's unhappy. She's emotional. She is. Yeah, no. And I think that is to me has always been the tightrope. And I I really I'm really frank with you guys. That's not just a tightrope in my job. That's even a tightrope at home. You know, where where my boys are just free to to rant and express their anger. And they're just being boys, right? While while, you know, for me, it's like oh my God, what's wrong with her? Well, there's nothing wrong with her. So I think there's still this like perception of assertiveness versus aggression and in learning that it, it doesn't matter, men or women. If we are angry, we are angry. If we have a point, we have a point. If we want to make an underline the point, let us, let us do that. And again, you know, I think it's more of a almost training on psychological, you know, definitions of each other that, that hopefully will help solve that just the way we are being perceived from doing the same thing. So. Yeah, no, totally. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I think that the stereotypes of how women or, or men are seen are still very much there. I think being the only woman on the executive team or, in the room, I think makes it hard sometimes. Um, you know, I, I think both Asher and I are lucky enough that we we aren't the only women on our executive team. So um, I think that that helps. But also, there's a lot of I guess situations that could be perceived as more of a male male dominated situation. Or you know, if you go out for drinks or Sometimes if you want to take take clients um, to an event, it feels in my mind sometimes very male driven, right? Do you want to go out and go to a whiskey bar? Do you want to 
you know, smoke cigars or whatever. Um, you know, I, no, I, I don't. So I think being able to, I guess, suggest different situations that feel a little bit more gender neutral environment or, or not feeling like you have to do something just because a group of people are, are doing it. I think feeling like you can say no or feeling like you can suggest different things to do or ways to get together, ways to um, network, I think is important for, for women to speak up about and make it the norm that we're not always doing the things that maybe the boys club, if you will, used to do. I also think that feeling like you have a voice and you have the ability to shut certain things down. I think in advertising, or at least what I've experienced sometimes when you get a group of men together, executive men together, sometimes conversations can get pretty vulgar. And I've seen women participate in those conversations because they feel like they have to show like they can participate, that they can keep up with the guys. But I think it's, it shows a lot more respect in my mind if you kind of shut down those conversations and and say, all right, let's move on to something else. Like this is inappropriate or we don't need to have a conversation like this, you know, because I, I think it it sets the wrong tone and it sets the wrong expectations for people that are looking at you as a role model. Yeah, that's a great point. I I couldn't help but think of uh, I was getting flashbacks of Mad Men <laughs> as you were talking about the cigar bar and, you know, the whiskey bar and all that. So, yeah, no, it's it's true. It's definitely kind of a challenge for women to carve out a different, you know, maybe a different path or way of doing things in that realm. So you guys both shared a little bit about it's going to be challenging for especially for younger women trying to break into this industry to find female role models because of the lack of female leadership within this industry. Have either of you had a role model or a mentor that you learned a lot from and and you can kind of think back and to a specific example of how they helped you to get where you are? I would say that I actually probably got the most mentorship and encouragement from a career coach that I had a few years ago. Her name is Amelia Cruz and anyone looking for a career coach, she specializes in working with creative executives. Uh, She was amazing. And, you know, I think she taught me a lot of self-confidence. I think a lot of times I may have over-explained things or apologized for things that maybe I didn't do, but were making the other person feel feel better or not believing that I deserved a seat at the table, things like that. And I have a couple post-its of things that I learned from her that I that I used to keep around my computer screen as reminders to myself that I actually have have passed on to one of my creative directors. And it's things like you don't have to explain yourself or can somebody else do this? Not trying to take on too much yourself. I live by being the role model you wish you had. And I I think that in the industry, I wouldn't say that there's necessarily one mentor that I looked up to or learned from. I think that I learned from almost everyone I work with. And it's not, it's not always learned what to do, but I've, I've learned a lot of, of what not to do or, or how I don't want to lead by seeing different leadership styles and, and things like that. I think I found the most support through peers across different departments. I think 
Um, some of the other departments are much more female dominated. So I, I have had a few role models and mentors within some of the other departments. I think in life, my, my biggest role model was always my mom. She was a badass. She always kept going and pushing. You know, she started as a home economics teacher and she became a superintendent at a school district. And then she was a principal for a school in China and, you know, got her doctorate over the age of 50. And I think she just showed me that you can never stop learning from those around you and you can always make yourself a better person. Love that. That's great. And that's a great point about over explaining. I feel like a lot of women have that same issue where they feel like they have to either over explain or kind of justify why they need assistance or something or why they're doing a certain something a certain way. So that's a really good point to try to stop yourself. Maybe the next time you're inclined to do that. Lacey, not surprisingly, we have very similar experiences, both being women. Shocker. Um, just one thing that I, I have a hard time thinking of role models because I don't think there were that many. And there aren't that many women or weren't that many women in leadership roles as I was, you know, growing up, so to speak, in my in my job. But uh, I tend to say that I, I learned a lot by observing men and what I don't want to be. And maybe that sounds harsh, but almost doing the opposite of what you're observing. One example is that just even now during the pandemic, what I observed often is that compartmentalizing of work and home, right? Like men tend to keep it separate very much and want to come across as the invincible leader that has no context, right? There is no weakness in admitting that you have a struggle or you don't feel Mm. well, or you have to watch after your elderly parent, or you have to watch after your kids. By doing the opposite and, and bringing that into your work and bringing that into your team, you make yourself vulnerable. And I I felt in my career that being vulnerable, especially towards the people working with me and for me, formed closer, closer bonds and ultimately gave me the support I needed from whoever I needed it from, men and women, and, and taught younger and other people that it's okay. It's okay to be vulnerable and not perfect and struggle sometimes and needing help. So almost looking at men as role models and do the opposite in many ways, uh, I think helped me, helped me a lot. Yeah. And I actually want to add, add to that Astrid. Um, I don't know where I heard it or when I heard it, but it was something around, you know, showing emotions at work. And it was something like, it's okay to cry because what it shows is that you care. And when I've had one-on-ones and, you know, meetings with people, whether they're my direct reports or my peers, you know, and they may come into my office and, and they're upset and they're saying, I'm so sorry, I'm crying. I'm so sorry. And I'm like, do not apologize for caring about whatever you're upset about. It just shows that you are passionate about whatever the situation may be and being able to show those emotions, you know, it makes us more human. It makes us be able to connect with one another. So to that point, I think being vulnerable is, is, is okay in the workplace, I guess, in our environment, at least. Absolutely. And do you guys think given the nature of the pandemic and how obviously it led to remote and hybrid working, do you feel like you've been able to 
showcase a little bit more of that vulnerability as a leader with your teams? Mm. I mean, I think yes. And here's the other thing, you know, when you come to an office, you bring one part of yourself, right? Like me, for example, I look very different. I dress up or I dress. (laughs) (laughs) I think, you know, you show a certain certain, uh, side of your persona that's already very polished and buttoned up. During the pandemic and being hybrid, I think, or, or being on these video calls, I think a lot more of that home world came in and maybe just by that it made us more human sounds weird how you more human by being virtual but to a certain degree i think it helped yeah i i I miss i mean i definitely think that we don't have as much downtime just connecting but to your point astrid it might be more authentic connecting now I think I've learned things about people that I may never have known had we not been at home, you know, whether it's about their animals that are, you know, running through the screens or their, their, their kids that we would have never met. But, but also it's kind of a a toss up for me because when we were in the office, I could go and walk around to anyone on my team and just be like, how you doing? How's life? And I think, being remote, things feel a little bit more scheduled. The check-ins are not as much of a flyby as they could have been in person. So I think it's a, it's a different balance, I guess. Yeah, no, that's, I didn't really think of it that way. That's a great point. I was kind of thinking like what Astrid was kind of alluding to, like that authenticity, seeing people's kids in the background or a dog or cat or whatever it is. And you got the fire engines going past that kind of lent a human element to things. But to your point, Lacey, there's not as much spontaneous check-ins or, hey, how was your weekend kind of thing? It's more, you know, scheduled. Everybody has to stick to back-to-back meetings or video calls or whatever, you know, it takes to keep everybody kind of on the same page throughout the day remotely. So that's a good point. Astrid, I wanted to ask you, is there anything you know now that you wish you'd known as you were moving up the ranks? How much time do we have? (laughs) (laughs) I think about that all the time. Um, You know, somebody once said that it was not my role model. It was one of those don't do it his way kind of role models. But that person said, sometimes you need to learn to care less. And that now sounds really wrong, right? Especially, Lacey, you you just said it shows you care. But what it meant was I learned over time that Sometimes I have to let something go. Sometimes I have to give it a day. Sometimes I have to sleep over it. Sometimes I don't always have to react right away. And that's maybe also a female quality. We want to jump to to the rescue, right? We are wired that way to help. When we see a fire, we want to turn it off. And I think learning to sit back a bit and let things unfold more naturally, let conflict play itself out and be willing to not try to stifle that right away. I think I learned that in my career in advertising for sure, because not every fire is, is a wildfire and not every crisis is a, is a death sentence, but also just, you know, personally, I'm a lot more laid back, a lot less 
stressed. I, I have to say that. Like I can still stress, but a lot, lot less. And I, I wished I had that sense of calm earlier in my career. But then again, you know, it was the sense of not calm. It was the sense of urgency and getting it right and get it right and work hard and work harder. Uh, probably that helped me as well. But yeah, I wished I cared a bit less at times to not get stressed out so much. That's interesting. All right. So everybody heard that. Care less. <laughs> Just jot that down. <laughs> Lacey, what about you? Yeah, I would lo- I would love if I, I could figure out how to care less. That's for that's for sure. I definitely <laughs> care a bit too much at, at times. But I, I think for me, back to the the notion that no one will ever be looking out for your career more than yourself. And and so really just voicing what you need. I think for me, and it might be a bit different for Astrid here, but I don't think it ever gets easier. It just gets different managing different types of stress, different types of deadlines and people, and really just building a network. I think building a network of good people and people that you care about and that you want to work with is so important. I still connect with people from every agency that I've ever worked with, you know, and I I think everyone can attest that they would love to collect all of their favorite people from agencies and, and make a new one. But I think just surrounding yourself with the right people is important because it's the people that you're working with day in and day out that are going to make the difference with how happy you are in in your career. Yeah. So true. We spend so much time with the people we work with might as well make it people we enjoy being around. I'm curious if you both feel, we talked a little bit about, obviously it's difficult for women in the advertising industry to move up the ranks, but do you feel that it's uniquely difficult to the advertising sector for women to move up more so than other industries? I think so. Maybe in creative, I guess, maybe in some other departments. I mean, I feel like account has a lot more, more women, but you do see a lot more men in leadership positions at, at the very highest level on that side. But for me, I feel like women maybe don't self-promote and don't take as much credit, which is maybe why they don't get they don't get it as much. I do think back to Astrid's point about kind of the the generation that's coming into the workforce now, though, is very different than how things have been for years and years. So I do think it's changing and and we're we're doing a better job at attracting women into the industry. Astrid, what about you? I would agree, obviously, with Lacey. I think it's we are better off than some other industries that always have been very much male-dominated. I think advertising has more of an open door because we bring so many different types of people together, from introverted to extroverted, from loud and colorful to quiet. I think, yeah, uh, but creative is still a challenge, and I... And I attribute that to a world where the ego ruled for so long. And, you know, you associate big egos with big creative and that is changing. And I think the way Lacey and I do it is very different. It is less about that. It is more about the product and creating just great work and help other people doing better and and living better lives. So I think that is changing. Our culture is changing around that. And I think in advertising, in healthcare advertising, I want to emphasize that we have possibly the better chance uh, than than doing that than in some other more classic male-driven 
industries, which I don't want to name because I don't want to work in those. <laughs> <laughs> I love that, Ashley. I think that's such a great point about the kind of bigger egos being associated with bigger creative, because that is often the misconception that it, you know, it has to, you, you just picture somebody very eccentric and screaming at people in the office, you know, to get those creative juices flowing. But obviously there's a lot of different ways to skin a cat. So that's a really good point. Because you guys are doling out such great advice, I want to wrap up with this and ask you if you could each give kind of one actionable item to everyone listening to this podcast that they can implement right now and possibly give a leg up to the younger generation that's coming up in the industry. Astrid, could you start with that one? Yeah, absolutely. First of all, and and it's really simple, is listen, listen. I think culturally we're so driven by, you know, listening to people who talk a lot. I think a lot more is to be learned and a lot more is to be found when we listen. And that's true to listen to our customers, to our, you know, audiences. Obviously we're in advertising, listen more than you speak. And I think the same is true for our workforce. I enjoy the majority of my day listening to my my staff, the people that work for me, the people that work with me, the people that lead the agency with me. I think by listening, there's a lot of action implied that people often oversee. And especially for young people and also young women, I did that a lot. I listened and learned. And then, as I said earlier, uh, made the decision to do to do what I heard or was that what I was told and do the exact opposite. But first, you know, I, I felt leaning in and listening in more uh, is is a better way of just, you know, again, talking your head off, which I'm doing right now. So I stop. <laughs> <laughs> For me, I think it's um, along the same lines of, you know, never stop learning and you can learn so many things around the people around you, but also always be 100% your authentic self. Always be you, never try and fit into what you think you're supposed to be or what a role is supposed to be. I think if you come as you are, come as your authentic self, you really will go so much further than trying to fit into a box. That's great, great advice. Thank you both. Unfortunately, it looks like we're running out of time for today, but I want to say thank you so much to my guests for today's episode, Lacey and Astrid from GSW Powered by Sineos Health. It was such a pleasure speaking with you both. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much. 